0: Hi, I'm Angela Lee, and welcome to the Will to Live podcast, where we share with you the gifts of living. I speak to inspiring wellness leaders, mums, celebrities, business people, super grannies and more to help you live your potential, connect to your purpose and bring joy to your life. Discovering your will to live a fulfilling life starts now. Welcome, everyone to the next episode of the Will to Live podcast, and today I am joined by two absolutely amazing women, Janera Lintanozi, who's based in Auckland, and Corinne Austen, who's based in Whangarei, not Wangari, I used to call it wongari <laughs> um, and I've had the pleasure of working with these two girls for the last five years and they're absolutely um, amazing women in what they do. Genera a movement specialist and Corinne is the happy body coach and What we wanted to talk about today, like these girls are both, you know, highly educated, they're successful business owners, they're they're mums, they present, they educate, they're absolute two powerhouses in the New Zealand fitness industry. And... I really wanted to talk today about, because so many people are finding wellness just so complicated and, you know, life just seems to be getting busier, particularly for working mums. And today I just want to chat with them about, you know, simplifying things about how they approach things in, and what's really a new, fresh way. So we can access wellness now because, you know, people think it's this big, hard thing that we can't, that's just so far out of reach, but there's so many things that we can actually, um, talk about to access wellness now. So girls, that's gonna be the bit of the chat for today. But before we get into that, I just wanted to, um, you know, for the listeners so they can get to know a bit more about you, I'd love for you to both share about, you know, you've both got different passions and I'd love for you to sort of share what those passions are and what are some of the key things that led you to sort of doing what you're doing? So who wants to go first? Probably, do we have the the activator wants to jump in or, <laughs> Tamara, you're happy to jump in 1st Who'd like to go first? <laughs>
1: We'll stick with what we know, eh? Let let the activator go first. Let the activator go. I, I guess I've just, I mean, I called myself the happy body coach for a reason. I've just got this inner need to help people be happy and to experience more happiness. And I did a little reflection the other day about why that is or where that's come from. And I think possibly, and I don't know that this is the entire reason behind it, but through my younger childhood, I saw some not very nice things, that I can re- remember when mum was having to traverse that, trying to bring things forward that would make her happy, and as a young child, you know, eight or nine or ten years old, I mean, they might have just been things, you know, talking about my day and cool little things, or just trying to bring a smile to her face, and I, like I say, I don't know if that's where some of this is stemmed from but when I see somebody in pain now be that physical or emotional pain all I want I just have this need that comes on instantly that just makes me want to somehow fix that or help that or just bring about a greater level of happy and I think that's where a lot of my drive comes from and, and another thing that that uh, drives me is I've got a very much a why brain one of the things I wanted to be when I left school was a detective I just I loved murder mysteries and murder stories you know growing up through um, my teenage years and stuff and I think there was a part of just solving problems that I really liked and I wanted to be a detective when I left school and I thought no there's no way I'm going to go through police college just to be a detective and in a roundabout way I am now kind of of like a health detective I sort of piece together people's problems based on what they present with and try to solve their problems for them um, via all the different little elements and sectors of the, the health or well-being information I now know so it's that need to be to help others be happy and that need to try to figure out the why people aren't happy that is what sort of drives
0: me and I think that's got to got
1: me to where I am today. Yeah, no, that's
0: so you in a nutshell. That's really that's really cool, isn't it? It's good when you can actually define that because it, it really comes out in in everything that you do. And that's what I think is so great because there's so many women out there as well. And I really want to help them find that. You know what I mean? Because mm. when you found that, look what difference that you're making to the world and actually how happy it makes you as well, which I think is yeah. just awesome. So yeah. Yeah. So Jim, what about you? What are some of I guess your sort of passion areas and sort of, you know, what are some of the, I guess, the key things that led you towards that?
2: yeah look much like Corinne i um if i think it really think about it it started like right back when I was thirteen i was riding a horse and it was um it bolted and i came off at the end and landed on my tailbone i was way out the back of the farm and i had to walk this lead this horse back home and i from that i got developed quite severe back pain to the point that at 13, home alone, um, trying to go to the bath toilet. And luckily we had this toilet work with the walls because I couldn't get off the toilet. And so no mum or dad taking me to physio. There was none of that. It was just, they went off to work. I was at home from school. Couldn't get off the toilet. You know, I had to like scale the wall to get off. And it was that sense of, um, because back then, you know, this is like 1988. We had no computer, let alone Dr. Google. There's no, there's no internet. And so then... And then at about 15 years old, my dad, he was, I was 15 years old. He was 40 at the time. He developed um, uh, bowel cancer, so, uh, you know, chronic disease. And and so living up north, he came to um, Auckland for treatment. So for six weeks, we didn't have parents. So my grandparents looked after us. And then when I was about, um, you know, there's these things I just keep, these um key things throughout my life. When I was 18 and I was applying for, actually it was about 17, I was applying to go to um, university. And one of the questions was, oh, do you have like, any injuries that are going to hold you back? And I had at the time, what we called, I didn't know what it was called, but we called it shin for instance, you know, it's anterior tibia pain. And I just again I was like, I don't is this going to hold me back from getting into varsity, I don't know what to do. Again, no physio you know, mum and dad's not rushing me off to, to physio. You know, they're at working, earning, earning a dollar. And, and then this was the big one for me. So when I was 20 and my dad was 44, that's when he passed away with um, cancer. And so my dad was a big, solid brute of a rural man. And so he, to watch him, see so even now, this is, to so see him waste away from this chronic disease, and so when I turned forty, that was that was a bit of a oh, I'm forty. That was the day. That was the age that my dad got bowel cancer. And then this year I've turned forty-four. The year, the same year, my dad died. And it's just like whoa. you know. And my kids are young. My kids are seven and nine. You know, when my dad, um, our dad, passed away, we were twenty and eighteen. So we were a bit older. Um... That so, my love for movement, you know, that prehab, rehabilitation, and and the lifestyle medicine was was born really out of personal experience, like, Karen, and so in the last few years, you know, being a working mum of two young kids, it's it's kind of become my personal mission to to do everything that I can to be alive and mobile and healthy, um, rather than alive and sick, to, you know, so I can be there for my kids, and so I've sort of naturally. Um, gravitated to guiding other people to practicing you know sustainable lifestyle modifications whether that be movement hydration nutrition um, and as and more of a as a habit rather than a, a hobby in their life so they can be you know the healthiest best version of themselves for their kids or for themselves really yeah yeah now that's so cool
0: and you absolutely I guess I can see it and you live and breathe it in yourself and lead by example. You're such a leader in that space and you can see you, both of you girls have such passion for what you do. And that's what I, you know, love about working with you because I feel that if you've got the passion, you know, that can heal someone like 20 to 30% sometimes, you know, just by putting mm-hmm. that energy into it, which I think's, you know, just really cool. I guess, you know, both of you are hugely experienced. Like, you know, we've all been in the game a long time and, you know, what are some of the, I guess, challenges that you see, some of your clients facing and I guess some of the you know the key it's probably a very big question because I know we see a lot of things but I know there's things that we see quite common and what would be some of the key things that you see and sort of how you approach that because if you're seeing it our listeners no doubt will be experiencing it and I'd love them to sort of get a feel for you know to give people hope that there is a way out and that's what you know I think is so so important like I lived by a motto when Will was sick you know where there is life there is hope and you know so many people lose that hope because they just don't know what to do and you know I want to help get the message out there of things that they they can actually do so I'd love for you to share we'll stick with the activator first about sort of I guess <laughs> the things that you're seeing and you know things that people can do that have made a difference like, that you've done and seen made a difference
1: yeah so there's I mean there's so many different challenges I guess that clients face I guess one of them is and it's sort of applicable in two ways. There's the, the overwhelm of life in general is just chaos these days compared to what it was historically in different ways as well. But there's also the overwhelm of information. So when somebody's in a certain state, the amount of information information that's actually available to them at any point in time is just astronomical. And it, people just get lost in that information. There's too much information. And then they just don't know which way to go for them, which way is their, their best path forward, and so that's a tough one, you know, because you don't want to, there's no, I'm a big believer that there's no one box, and you've got to follow, I guess in addressing that, I help them to follow what thrills them, what motivates them, what brings them, what brings them back to play and fun, but also just going slow and steady, like going, I mean, always having, I guess I always recommend, having a coach or a trainer or some kind of therapist that resonates with them, I'm very open-minded. If somebody, if a new inquiry comes to me and says that they've got X, Y, and Z um, and says, you know, asks me for which way I recommend they go or do they come and see me or whatever, I'm very forward with them in in the fact that actually if I'm not the best person for them, I'll say, well, actually, you're probably best to go and see this person. I want them to feel comfortable with whoever they see but I believe that they need somebody by their side if only to be a, a a walking post for them someone to guide them forward I think what a lot of people do these days is put too much uh, too much emphasis on what others or others in authority think as well we've lost our in our own sense of intuition our inner knowingness we've had you know medical practitioners medical field all the different therapists in the in the world out there today and all the different research and studies that have been done we almost feel that somebody out there knows us better or everybody all the all the people in authority know us better than ourselves and nobody has walked in our shoes for our life and therefore nobody knows us better than ourselves and i think some of the power and the responsibility we need to place back into our own shoes so as much as I'm saying have somebody guide their guide them along and sort of coach them along that person still needs to take responsibility for their own steps forward Mm -hmm. Um, I think in terms of How to move forward? I think I sort of covered that. So they need to stick with what they feel comfortable with. If they don't feel comfortable with something, with going into a certain field, with trying a type of movement or a type of therapy or you know a way of eating, then they're not going to stick with that. They need to stick with something that they enjoy to an extent, but still follows with the path that they know they need to take to move forward. But it does need to be slow and steady because. I mean it's the whole race, you know, the whole story of the turtle and the hair, slow and steady wins the race. And I think there's there's no way forward, no way better forward than the slow path, the slow and steady path where you can just check in with yourself along the way. Is it working? Am I happy? Am I feeling this is taking the way that taking me the way that I need to go? And
0: yeah. Hmm. Yeah, look, I think there's that's so important and I you know, about people you know, looking for answers within themselves whilst being guided. Like I'm such a big believer in all those things. Like I, I've invest hugely in, um, you know, either mentoring mentoring, coaches, you know, health um, avenues, you know what I mean, to learn and do what's best for me. At times when I probably could afford it the least, I probably invested the most, you know, and I truly testament that as to that's why I'm, I am where I am now. And I think, you know, I hear so many people say um, um, that, they can't, that they can't actually afford You know, they can't afford um, coaches or they can't afford to to do this. But it's really, you know, my thing is, can you actually afford not to? Because, you know, when the health starts to decline and, you you know, your health is everything and you lose your health, you lose like everything around you. So I think, you know, it's really interesting when I hear people say that, who I look at and I look uh, in such a strong financial position, yet they they can't afford it. So it's a really interesting um, take on that. And I think what you said there about, you know, getting back to, you know listening to yourself is just so critical you know my like I had a science degree and then I got heavily into functional health work and lots of testing and then sort of I've gone sort of full circle coming back to really coming trusting with what you do I still use the medical field I still use the functional health field but I believe we've gotten so lost and we need to tune into tune into us because there's so much that we know our intelligence is is phenomenal and you know it's just that's where coaches can really help and and bring that out and I know you do that really well so that's really cool um Mm. but what about you in terms of um I guess some of the things that you see in sort of the the clientele that you're
2: working with yeah it's funny because it's similar actually to, to what you said so I guess um, a lot of I would see working, I worked in the, um, the CBD of Auckland for 15 years, and so that perception and, um, of stress and urgency, like answering the emails, and it's like, oh, I know I can't come in you know, to the gym, I've got to do this, and it's like, well, okay, so then I just ask them, okay, who was the most important person or people to you? And so I work with um, a lot of parents and it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's the kids, it's my wife. It's okay. And it's like, well, okay, why are they important to you? It's like, oh, because. And then it's like, okay, well, what do you think is going to make them happy?
0: Hmm.
2: You think seeing you unhealthy, sick, not well, not moving, you know. And so, and then then I ask them, well, how do you think they feel if something happened to you? And so then if you, it's like you talk a lot about this, Ange, like if you just start asking people like what's actually important to them and remind them of their values, like I say, it's like, well, how can you kind of not afford to? And that also brings me back to the other one, working with parents, um, I, I they don't say the word, but I hear guilt and it's like, um, you know, like for me, I think I invest you know, when I invest in my professional development, I could easily take my family to Hawaii for two weeks in five-star accommodation, but I choose to put that back into the to my business and the clients, and and so, you know, it's funny, like I, my daughter's in three programs in one term, that's an easy $400 a term, there's four terms in a year, and that's just one child, So sometimes when people say they can't afford it, it's like what they're saying is sometimes it's like, well, even though they feel like their health should be a priority, maybe it's just they haven't realised it's their priority right now because what they're really saying is it's just not that important to me right now. They've yeah. Um, They're not enough pain. Like sometimes people need to
0: suffer and be in more pain with their health before they do stuff, which is really quite sad you know
2: like because mm. it's harder to get back from that absolutely and i let's i see this is why i love pre rehabilitation work it's the prevention it's you get them before they get injured it's just you know they know it in business you know if you if you're working on something up at, at this level you're at the at investing beforehand that investment in time, money, and resources is a lot less than back here in the injured state or the, or the sick state. And so, you know, if that parents' guilt for investing that time and money into themselves, if you can, I reckon, if you can flip that switch to from I'm being selfish, you know, investing in me, to I'm investing in my health so I can be there for my kids. Like, like you know, so I bring in my personal story. So you're going to be here healthy for your kids and your grandkids later on. Because at the moment, my dad has never seen me as a parent. He never mm. saw me graduate. You know, he packed me off to, to university in pain, a lot of pain. He was on his last legs. But he never saw me graduate. Mm. Let alone put his grandchild. And that's why he built his big house up north of the big family home still up there because he wanted all his, his grandchildren to come home and not there Mm. the other thing i'd say probably too is um sleep so when you know know, when people are working long hours in the in the city or anywhere really and i'm not just saying it's just who i've predominantly worked with for the last 15 years i'm in new zealand when sleep is challenged i feel like we tend to make poor lifestyle choices and everything feels harder to do you know people know that oh yes i should drink more i should be eating this and i should move more we know all of that. It's the application is where people can get stuck. And sometimes we can get stuck because we're just exhausted. Or our sense of perception of stress and urgency to do our work. And so if you can guide someone how, how, because there's lots of information out there about sleep hygiene. But if you can just guide them through how to introduce sleep hygiene or sleep good sleep habits, it can pay dividends. So those would be my three would be that, that sense of stress and urgency, the sleep. And if you can flip the switch on that guilt. Yeah. yeah. And I think going back too, is that like
1: you're sort of saying, Jenna, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure, mm-hmm. effectively. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of, and you're probably both the same. A lot of what I sort of believe too, is especially when it's, I mean, personal training clients, are slightly different, but my health and movement clients, I, ha- I see this role, my role, as at some point being redundant. So my job is to equip them, themselves, with little tools, simple, that's something I missed out before, was things, these things can be really simple and really easy to slip into life. They don't need to be big, complicated systems or plans or strategies or programs that we do. Simple little one-minute things that we can do every day that have really big bang for their buck are, you know, if we can equip clients with that and get them on their path to recovery or to to wherever they're going, they've then got these tools in their toolbox for life and they don't need to be complex things.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So what would be some things that you could suggest to people on this podcast, Corinne, that are simple things that they can do which would, you know, make a big impact to their, their health, their life?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to, um, I've got to credit, I guess... Perry Nicholson for some of this. Some of it's my own modification of it as well. But uh, the, this is a thing that taps into your uh, vagus nerve, which is the main driver for your parasympathetic nervous system. So I actually do this. This is part of my evening routine every night. I do it as soon as I put my book my down on my bedside table. I do, this is part of what I do. So to, to do it with your ear. And so these, some of these things are going to seem a little bit quirky, but they work. So what you actually do is you grab your earlobe, you two ladies can do it right now. You're gonna grab your earlobe and you're going to pull down and then pull out, like you're drawing an L with your earlobe. It's gonna do that eight times. So this is just one way that we can stimulate our vagus nerve. So after I've done that, we then put out, I put the, the pad of my index finger into the the flat part of my ear. So I don't go into my ear hole, just the flat part just outside of my ear hole and I just rub. So I rub there in all sorts of different directions, round and round, up and down, side to side for about 30 seconds. And then the last thing I do involving the ears, I sort of make a V with my fingers and they sort of run up either side, the front and the back of my ear and I just sort of stroke, I rub up and down. And again, that's sort of another... 20 or 30 second kind of a thing and then I'll tap okay so I'll use my fingers and I um, this is all lying down normally I tap along my collarbone and I tap, tap down my sternum Now, there's not sort of any particular rhythm I go at I just let my fingers do whatever rhythm they want to do this is like a nervous system hack so this is just something I don't actually know where I got this from I just know it works I've taught it to many different clients it's amazing when you're lying down you've done that original ear stuff and you're also a little bit focused on breathing, how just a little bit of a tap along those bones can just chill you right down so that's one really simple little thing that you can do just to And so you found it helps with sleep for a lot of clients and just relaxation? Yes, absolutely relaxation, so if I had a client this morning in fact who was um, she was a a heavy nerve pain client and she tried all sorts and as well as the, the power plate vibration, I also did some just some ventral vagus nerve stuff, which is the safest way to start um, addressing or stimulating the vagus nerve. And she, when she stood up, she said she hadn't felt that level of relaxation for years. Like, and it was, I probably had her lying down for 12 or 15 minutes, just her feet on the power plate. So she was lying on a mat, knees bent, feet flat on the power plate. The vibration was on. I taught her a breathing protocol first because I needed to distract her away from the pain that she was in and i could see just from her state of fight or flight that she was the fact that she wasn't breathing properly her nerves were never going to be happy either so i told her about the whole fact that we need to reinstate good effective breathing to be able to help our nerves be happier Mm -hmm. but so we did a breathing protocol and then i basically did some vagus nerve stuff at the top end so all that sort of heart up basically Mm-hmm. some of the stuff involved the stuff that we've just gone through but yeah she got up after that and yeah she didn't think she'd ever experience that level of relaxation in the last four or five years um just powerful stuff and like i say that's not hard to do right everyone's got
0: ears everyone's fingers they can... it takes like a couple of minutes you know and yeah. this what i mean so many people are in the sympathetic stress state so many people need relaxation like it's the number one thing so I think that's a great tool and this is what I'm sort of wanted you girls to get on because it's about accessing wellness now and that's sort of, you know, what we've sort of been working on as well. That's so cool. What about you, Jen? What are some things that I guess you
2: use with some of your clients? Yeah, so uh, very similar to, well, not the technique, but the whole idea is to um, get into that parasympathetic or rest, restore and repair state. And then, you know, Dr. Libby Weaver talks about um, her top five um, wellness tip, and number one is diaphragmatic breathing, and I remember reading this years ago, thinking, oh yeah, we breathe, and then I heard this quote, I think it was by Dr. Perry Nicholson, we breathe to, sorry, we respire to survive, we breathe to thrive, and that was like, ah, oh, that's true, right, like we just, and so and then so i started diaphragmatic breathing and it's something i did i remember when i started journaling it i would do it um three times a week there was that was just the space I wasn't at the time once a day now i do it before i go to bed before i get out of bed and before each meal so about five times a day on a good day and I just do it for 20 breaths, so about five minutes, and I've built it in to me. So this is the whole lifestyle modification habit rather than a hobby like you, Corinne. It's like brushing my teeth. When I get into bed, I breathe, and then I can nod off. No problem. And so one of the key cues that um, I learned for diaphragmatic breathing is that when you – so we say, oh, you know, breathe in. And, and that's fine. But if you breathe up into your nostrils, that evokes quite a bit of a different reaction to breathing in through the nostrils. So a simple shift in a word. So we're all about simple. That was powerful for me because when I put my hands, and that's another thing, I always place my palms at that sort of navel region through there. So you can feel oh, the air is going down, because if air is getting directed or sits up here, like I've just had a client this afternoon, he's a sprinter, He his natural reaction is, well, yeah. he's nasal breathing, <laughs> but he's breathing up here, so it takes a while, eventually we got the air down into the abdomen. so just a simple cue of breathing up into your nostrils, ideally breathing up for four counts, and this is something... Um, ideally to build to because I certainly I actually thought I was like like breathing air through a straw and I actually first did this at a um a retreat with you guys. Um so breathing up for four, we pause for five and breathe out for six. Now I've had to build for that. And this you know look, this is me who's worked in the industry for 20 plus years. Like I don't, you know, I am the tortoise mover. I am the badge I don't move fast. I move you know, it's slow, so it's, for me, it's like, it's like you've got to introduce the thought, the the, the lifestyle modification, and I've just got to go, okay, well, what, how could I put that into my day, where could I best do that, okay, I can do it in bed before I go to sleep, and that's, and then it just, and then I started to, fit, then you start to get people in the wheel of, oh, I can feel that actually feels quite nice. I want, I want to do more of it. So you're not telling them, but you are you are coaching and you are guiding them rather than yeah. telling them.
0: What are some of the differences, Jen, that you've noticed with your clients when they've started, and for you personally, by just yeah. doing simple yeah, so, uh, breathing?
2: So I would do it at the end of a session with clients. I actually get them lying longitudinally, lengthwise on a foam roll, opening up their arms so their arms are out um, just to open up the chest and get them to do it at the end of a session uh, particularly you know they're going to go away in the morning to have breakfast they're going to go away at lunchtime to have lunch um, I do it um, for, for me it's actually I'm not I don't have the sleep as a work on for me sleeping through the night and so for me I feel like I get a better quality sleep so when I do have and not a great night's sleep my day is a lot more copable that is that is the big key for me like when i have a good so and you know i've just come away from it took me about a week over the christmas holidays um but there was about two weeks i was waking up going oh this is what it feels like to wake up and not because i brought my carcass out of bed often you know it's this is what it feels like to wake up rather than just get up and now i'm back at work and it's like okay um, that, for me, it's, that, it's, it's making my day feel like it's a lot easier to manage. And that's because that goes back to that when we don't sleep, or we don't feel um, like we're getting out of bed, you know, vital in the mornings. So it's like lifestyle choices are a lot harder. Then it's like, oh, I don't want to go for a walk at lunchtime. I don't want to do, I you know, if you're starting the day on a better foot, life is just easier. And when you're working, running a business, managing Auckland traffic, you've got to love (laughs) Auckland traffic, you know, and and then getting home, picking up the kids, the sport after school, you know, like you said, it's that sense of overwhelm. It's like, oh my goodness, it just all feels a bit nicer to deal with. I think that's something, you know, important, Jen, as well. And, you know,
0: because we are sort of wellness professionals and we're sort of, you know, speakers and we run workshops, things like that. I think some people think that we're not faced with challenges sometimes. And I think it's really like what you said there is like, you know, we all have the same challenges as everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, we've all got the kids like we're dealing with. We've got those in our mind. We've all got business, I guess, problems that arise or we're throwing curveballs. You know, we've got things we all have to manage. They're all slightly different. And I think You know, it's just having the tools. If you can manage yourself, like what you said, either by breathing or doing some relaxation, I have a lot of tools that I um, use, particularly around shifting my emotional state. If I've, you know, got so much on, I've had lots of life stresses, you know, just putting on a song for two minutes, an old song that I used to love. And I regularly do that. I regularly do different movement, like shaking movements. I regularly just get outside because I know that if I keep thinking that thought and going down that rabbit hole into that, depth of emotion it's harder to get out but knowing that there's things that can instantly change our state and I think it's really important for people to know that you know what we're we're sort of walking beside you guys like we we know what these things are like we know what it's like to, Mm. to deal with we've all faced you know so many challenges and I think that's sort of what I wanted to show people is that you know despite sort of the challenges it's just little things that we can do to help you know, manage ourselves. And are there anything else, you know, for you to get where you guys are right now? Is there anything else that I guess, you know, you've done that sort of stands out, that's really helps you manage, you know, family, business, sort of your health? Are there any sort of things that you do regularly that you can attribute to helping you keep in balance?
1: I always jot down three wins of the day. That's something I do every night before bed as well, uh, so that you're finishing on that sort of grateful, happy heart kind of mm-hmm. note. So they can be three wins, or three um, successes, or three positive things to come out of my day. Just three positive mm-hmm. um, statements. And they can be to do with work, then to be to be with family, to do with something I've done. Mm-hmm. It can be anything, but just having you know, having those three positive thoughts through my mind before I go to bed is a really nice um, thing to end with too. So that's, that's become a consistency in my life. And I, I always have a morning routine. I always, I get up, I wash my face, I get dressed. This is all early morning stuff before the rest of the household is awake. Uh, then I'll go downstairs, I'll have my um, structured water I'll drink that down. Then I'll go and I'll move for 15 minutes. It's just mobilization. Sometimes it can be breathing. Sometimes it just be lying on my back and what I call a starfish and I just do some gentle tapping. I will just go with the flow of my body on that morning, whatever my body is asking for. But And then I'll, after that, have breakfast. And that's I've done that for um, uh, maybe 18 months or two years now, that same morning routine, and it just works. Um, I typically have some kind of intention I set during that 15 minutes of movement too. I'll think about what's ahead and what word or words I can use that I want to frame my day with that I can come back to when I feel like I'm heading off off on a tangent where I shouldn't be. Or well, that's going to be inefficient.
0: It's so good. And like, you know, it doesn't take long either. Like 15 minutes, a little 15 minutes earlier than what you normally do to set up a mm. whole day in your life is critical. Mm. Those three things take you know, such a short amount of time, and Harvard mm. shows that it exponentially increases your happiness. Like, we can reframe things and how we look at the world hugely. And I think that they're, you know, key things to do. And again, simple tools that you can do to, you know, reduce the stress because we know stress is a killer, remanage your life, look after your mindset, look after your emotional health, which are critical to wellness as well as your physical. So, you know, it's awesome that you include those. What about you, gin Are there anything? Yeah. I mean, your breathing, I know, has been a big one for you that helps you manage you know your
2: life yeah it's it's um similar to corinne's actually i started and look i'm a yeah i'm a i was quite rural but i call myself a bit four by two if someone said to me couple of years ago, oh you'll be journaling you journaling in a year gin i'm actually now about 250 days into journaling with you believe and every day i is like a little um like a little mantra or quote that i put in um at the top and this is every day and I repeat it for one hundred and four days so it's one to three positive things that like resonate with me and the next one is three things I've done great today five things I'm grateful for and I've done that every day and at the at the top I just write you know hashtag whatever I'm at two hundred and one days trying to you know so it's well over two hundred days and whatever the the mantra is or my little movement challenge um it's just I do it for a months that 104 days. Mm -hmm. The other one would be similar to Corinne because I get up um at about 425 on a working with client day and so um I come into the like before everyone asks I set my alarm 10 to 15 minutes earlier than what I need to come out and have the structured water and I would do mobilizing movement for 10 to 15 minutes. I can't tell you how many years I've done that maybe two maybe like just I can't even but it's just and again it's actually I started doing it three times a week when I was working with clients. I actually do it now every day. I just, I do it even in the weekends. It's just now, it's like brushing my teeth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, those would be probably my key. And look, and the other thing I'd say is like, we're sharing this and that's great. And it, and it might sound like, oh, I'm not going to sit there for five or 10 minutes in general. And that is absolutely, because if you told me two years ago, You'll be you'll, you'll journal, you know, or or you said oh you must journal, you must write down things you're grateful for, you know. It's just meeting the client where they're willing, or the person where they're willing to be met, right? Like some you just get a read on where they're at, and it's and and that's the, and that's the mark of a good of a good coach or practitioner. It's like okay, well, how do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. And they're like oh, okay, actually, I think I could. Put some a grind of salt and a drop of um, dietary oils because my mother, i was <laughs> speaking to a, a client of yours, my friend um, Fiona, Karen and she's saying, you know, I actually you know I could actually have a bit of um, apple cider vinegar and I could have my structured water. That could, I could do that, yes. You know, you know, like so. And sometimes you just float the idea, let them tell you, oh, yes or no, and oh, okay, can we, could we do that? Yes, we could. For me, writing it down was key. Oh, I need I to see what yeah, been entered Because
0: otherwise, you'll just sort of lose it a bit. I think and that that's really important it. is that everyone has different um, ways of doing it. Sorry, Corinne, I just, you go. I was just going to say it probably involved highlighters too.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very, I
1: very important to look um, Sorry, Sorry. Now I was just going to go um, back a few steps too because I think it was a, an important thing to loop or see how some of this comes full circle. But Jen was talking about her diaphragmatic breathing. Well, when you diaphragmatically breathe, you actually move all the organs beneath your diaphragm. And as soon as your vagus nerve knows that you've shifted all of those organs, you feel safer. So your vagus nerve actually runs through, it wanders through all of, all of your different organs, that leads into each one of them, stimulates them and brings life to them. So when we diaphragmatically breathe, our organs effectively come to life again. And that is another way that we reinstate that parasympathetic nervous system. Because of course, when we're in a sympathetic state, all our energy diverts away from our vital organs to our arms and our legs to run away from the the tiger or whatever it is we're running away from. Mm. So I think it's important to bring it back to that stress. That's the big talking factor and showing how all these things interrelate. So the diaphragmatic breathing also affects the vagus nerve, but we, don't know, we didn't know that until you know, a couple of years ago when it started becoming a thing, you know? So yeah, it was just kind of cool to bring it full circle and show or demonstrate how all of this is actually addressing stress in a roundabout way.
0: Yeah, no, it's so good. And I think, you know, that's why there's all these little things. And I guess that's why we've sort of put together this workshop that we're bringing to Auckland like wellness now because there's all these little tools that you can do to access wellness now, you know? So, you know, and we've all got different strengths, which I think is so great. I mean, I know that my passion is really in, you know, the mental and emotional wellness side of things and connecting to our spiritual wellness. And there's so much from the study that I've done, how we can absolutely shift, our emotional state with simple things how we can increase our happiness hormones like there's just all these little things that can really improve our mental and emotional wellness because so many people are stuck in that space yet there's so many things we can do from a lifestyle and these little tools that we can implement you know so many people that I work with as well over the years they're just disconnected from their values or they're not connected to you know some purpose or, or something greater than themselves and spiritual wellness is you know, so critical to our health as well, because so many people are living not in alignment. And again, there's simple, whatever your beliefs are, there's simple things that we can do. And I'm really excited about, you know, sharing some more of those tools with people. And I know you've talked about some of the vagus nerve tools you've got, and I know, Karin, you're going to be sharing a few things around lymphatics, um stress gut health so that's really really cool and we've got gin sharing movement solutions so movement and mobility sh- solutions and how we can move more intelligently because you know what we don't have a lot of time so it's not about having more time but you know gin's got some great tools where you can move more intelligently in the time that you've got and it's just really amazing that we can access all of this wellness just by these simple things so that's what i'm really i um, really really excited about um bringing this workshop over and you know as it's very for mum so for it's really we get the mum so if you're a working mum I would highly recommend that you come to this and if you're a wellness professional or a trainer or if you're even a a a male who works with women or wants to you know improve himself as well everyone's welcome but there's such great little things you know we to cut through the overwhelm, to cut through all this complexity, it's really in a simplified manner where you're going to walk away with key strategies to actually start doing now, to get wellness now, because wellness, more wellness is available to you now than what you've currently got if you just take some of these small actions. And that's what the three of us are so um,
2: passionate about as well. So I just wanted to add to a little bit on what Ange said earlier is that this, so this immersion that we're delivering, it's going to be really practically based. And so, you know, there's lots of information out there and that's great, but if we're not applying it, then it's just information. So the whole idea of this is that, yes, we're going to give you a bit of base on a bit of research, a bit of science and and what the thing does, but then we're going to get up and do it. So you can see and feel how easy it is to do this, right? Um, you know, like Ange talked about movement. Like I don't know if you've just realised I've been moving around for the last, you know, however long. I'm actually not sitting on a chair. I'm actually sitting in um, something I'm going to run through at the workshop. Is some of these um, traditional um, seated postures that our ancestors used to do. And because it's not a comfortable position, my knees are going. Oh, that's you know, like I'm constantly shifting from left to right. And so that's another little. Like I actually don't sit at a desk now to do my work. My computer is actually based on a coffee table or a chair. Like it's actually resting on a chair just now. And um, I sit on the ground and I shift in all different positions. So when I work from home, that is my office on the ground on a coffee. So it's that's how I'm building. You know, movement into my. I'm getting my knees. Our knees are our hips. All designed to bend, but people's knees don't like to bend. But if we inc- we work with the body, hey, where can it bend to? And we do it regularly. Mm. It, it, you know, it's another way of getting movement in. Yeah,
0: yeah, so good. No, we're so excited to um, to bring that to you because we just know the benefits it's had for for ourselves um, and also for the people that we've worked with as well. So really excited to yeah you walk away with being able to access wellness now so that's really really cool so we better wrap up we've got a little bit longer but i love chatting with you girls so something i ask all the guests at the end of my podcast is you know if you had a i guess a a piece of advice about you know what can people do to live to find the will to live their most fulfilling life because you girls certainly do that so i'd love for you to share any words of wisdom before we finish up
1: so mine's really simple, and it's quite um, relevant given on the Happy Body Coach. But years ago, and I can't remember when I first saw it, I saw a little quote, and it said, "If it doesn't make you happy, don't do it." So I've sort of re- reframed that, it and it's do what makes you happy, and it's as simple as that. It's it's trying to outcrowd the things that that drain our energy and move towards the or shift towards the things that actually fulfill us, that enliven us, that make us smile, bring us joy, make us laugh. All those things that when we're on our deathbed, we're going to look back and think, I fulfilled all those buckets, I ticked all those boxes, I did as much as I could to make me happy. And there's always going to be things in life that, that we have to face, stresses, challenges, whatever. But there are always little things that we can do every day that do bring us joy. Even something as simple as hugging a child in a stressed state, a hug, goes a long, long way to bring a, a smile back to the face.
0: Yes, Liv knows about
2: that. I think she's, <laughs> she's had a million hugs, <laughs> my little girl. Um, what about you? Yeah, look, I would say... So mine is... Um, you know if you are that parent uh, my little routine is i go in and i go into the my little people's rooms at night and i actually pick up their little hand and put it against my cheek and just and then i put my other hand on their other cheek and i just close my eyes and i just i hear them breathing and and you know their kids have different scents and so i just love to smell and hold because Don't know why, because you know, my dad is not here. I just have this thing about if my little person was to go after like now, I would want to know what they feel like and smell like. And so that's my little routine at night. And if you didn't have kids, all I would say is if you have a photo album, if you can phone a friend, or if you can hug someone or hold their hand, just get that physical touch because if that person goes and they're no longer in your life. That little simple, I don't know, that I don't know why, I've just done it. ever since they were born, just mm-hmm. touching their face and putting your cheek up against their cheek is just it's a magical moment and you just you just don't know when it's your time for whatever reason. And so it just follows on for what Corinne says. If 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 what choose whatever makes you happy and, and do it if you can consistently.
0: Yeah, no, that's beautiful, Jin. And I think that's why Liv still sleeps with me and who knows, she'll be like, she'll be 30 and like, she's my bed, who knows. You know, no judgment anyone, but no, thanks girls. Thank you for joining us today. I really love the chat. And yeah, I really know that our listeners would have um, gained some greater insights of things that they can go and do now. So thank you so much. Thank you, it's been fun. I'm Angela Lee, and you've been listening to Will to Live, the podcast. You can join us on Facebook in our Will to Live online community, that's L-I-V, Facebook group, or follow Angela Lee on social media and at www.angelalee.com.au. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to pay for the gifts of living, please share with your friends. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. Thanks so much.